Good evening. Thank you for joining us, the Boonville Church of Christ, for our 5 o'clock Bible study. We are continuing our series of studies on lessons from great Bible characters. Um, if you'd noticed in your bulletin, Brandon Elliott was scheduled to teach today, but Brandon had a conflict, so we adjusted our schedule, and Brandon will teach at a later time. And before we get into the, the lesson this afternoon, uh, Lord willing, we'll be able, or we're planning to begin meeting in person on January the 10th. In this class, um, we'll meet at 5 o'clock in the Annex, the Lessons from Great Bible Characters, and we'll finish that series, Lord willing. And again, Lord willing, I will take up our study of Psalm 119 here in the auditorium at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And our Bible classes, ages uh, from cradle roll all the way through teenage, through adult, will meet uh, at that time. January 10th, beginning at 5 o'clock, and we hope you'll join us for that, as well as our worship service at 8.30, and then at 10, another worship service at 10.30, depending on your preference, but more announcements will come regarding that. In this series, great are lessons from great Bible characters. Our aim is to learn what God would have us to learn, of course, from His Word, but to do so by opening that Word and looking into it at particular individuals who appear there. And if you notice on the screen, Mark, um, Mark was also referred to, Mark, a great lesson in discipleship. My suggestion is that when we look at the author through the Holy Spirit, of course, of the second book of the New Testament, there are many things that you and I can learn from this individual that we know as Mark. Mark, also referred to as John Mark in Scripture, is only mentioned five times in Holy Writ, five times. And that kind of surprised me because there is so much that about the life of John or, or John Mark, Mark, that teaches so many things. We might think, you mean only five times? But yet when I allow God to weave together that picture in his word of this individual whose name is recorded as the author of the second book of the New Testament, when I think about this individual, I can learn a great deal. Now, in Acts 11 and verse 26, we read the words, and the disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch. So I understand, as I, I learn of him, as we'll notice in just a moment in the book of Mark and in Matthew, that this fellow, John Mark, this young man, uh, whom we call Mark, he was a follower of Christ. He was a disciple of Christ. In other words, he was a Christian. John was a young man, or Mark was a young man, who did his best in his life to live by the faith of Jesus Christ, as of, uh, affirmed by Paul in Galatians 2 and verse 20. And as we look into the life of John Mark, we understand that that's exactly what he tried to do. So, I said all of that in introduction for us to understand when I am thinking about Mark, whether I'm reading in the gospel uh, that bears his name or whether I am thinking about the kind of faith Mark had, what kind of faith did he have? I'm suggesting to you that when I answer that question, when, when I think about Mark, that you and I can learn some valuable lessons about what it means to be a disciple of Christ, what it means to be a child of God what it means to live a life of faith. When we analyze Mark's life, there are lessons to be learned, and I, I want to share three of them today. And I hope that you will write these down, that you will study them deeper, further, uh, in your own time, to learn these lessons even, 
even better because they're important. So what great spiritual lessons can we learn from this character, Mark? First of all, may I suggest to you that Mark had a following faith. Mark had a following faith. Now, in Mark 8 and verse 34, uh, Mark's record there through the Holy Spirit, when Jesus had called the, the people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone who would follow me must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I, if, I'm willing to, if I want to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, I have to deny myself, take up my cross, make that decision, give my life to him, and then simply live that life, follow him. Now, I want us to read together in the book of Matthew, that next reference, Matthew chapter 11. Start reading about verse 25. Here again, Jesus is walking on the face of this earth, and he is teaching those who would listen. At that time, verse 25, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father. He's addressing God. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. He's talking about mentality there or, or humility there or acceptance. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And then that familiar passage, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, notice that passage of Scripture, or notice the question, I'm sorry, in black that's on your screen. What does it take for me to have a following faith in Christ Jesus? See, I want you to think, as you answer that question, I want you to get into your mind that a young man whose name was Mark walked among in the crowd of these people who listened to Jesus. He walked among those who considered being a disciple. He heard Jesus say, if you would follow me, you must deny yourself. You must be willing to take up your cross, make a commitment and follow me. You must be willing to come to me because that's the only way to God. And I am meek and lowly in heart and you must be willing to allow your life to be completely yoked to mine. John Mark heard those things, and he followed those things. What does it take for me to have a following faith? I have to be willing to deny my own self. I have to be willing to allow Christ to not only mold my life, but to guide my life. But may I suggest even further than that, to be my life. And what I want you to understand is that John Mark did just that. Now, in Mark chapter 14, we won't go and read all of that. We're coming back to it. So if you open it, just hold your finger there. In Mark 14, 32 through 52, in that context, we find Jesus um, headed toward the Garden of Gethsemane. And we find Jesus surrounded by disciples. And in that text, we find him reaching the garden and saying to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray. And he took uh, Peter, James, and John on into the garden and he prayed that prayer to the Father while they slept. And he talked to them about their faith. And then he said, awake, let us go, the enemy is coming. And then when we go out, we're going to find that, that John Mark was in that group. And we'll come back to verses 50, uh, 51 and 52 in a minute, but not yet. 
I want you to understand that when Jesus was at the, near the, the fulfillment of prophecy, when he was near the fulfillment of his reason for being here, and when he went to that garden and when he wept in that garden, I always wonder if those who were sitting out there, those other disciples, if they heard what was going on in the garden. I don't know. But John Mark was among that group who had followed Jesus so closely that he followed him into the night to the very uh, edge of the Garden of Gethsemane. So he, he had a following faith. In Acts chapter 12, and I invite you to look at that passage with me. In Acts chapter 12 and verse number 12, so when he had considered, he came to the house of Mary. Let me set this up for you. This is Peter being this is the he in this context. Peter had been, Herod had killed James with the sword. Peter he had put in prison to make the Jews happy. And remember, Peter had been released by an angel. Do you remember that account? And this is the account here. And when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And remember the rest of that story, and we won't go into it, but he was knocking at the door, and Rhoda came, and she heard his voice and recognized his voice. There's a whole lesson in that. But she was so full of joy that Peter was there that she went in and didn't even unlock the gate. And we find that humorous, don't we? But I think I've overlooked verse 12 until I studied for this lesson. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Do you know where all the other disciples were praying together? They were at John Mark's house. They were at Mark's mother's house. Well, Mark was there praying. He had that kind of faith. Well, how do you know he was there? Well, drop down to verse 50, um, sorry, verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. I, wanted you, I want you to understand that this young man who listened to Jesus, this young man who followed Jesus did more than that. He followed Jesus with a faith that denied himself, with a faith that committed himself, with a faith that led him to pray for Peter. He was a growing Christian. He can, we can learn from John Mark, from Mark, that we must have a following faith, willing to not just start, but continue. But even where, and I want you to think for a moment here, and I think there's an application in it for you and me. I'm so looking forward to when we are back together. I hope I'm sitting right there on January the 10th. If somebody else beats me to it, I guess I'll have to sit somewhere else. But I'd like to be right there on January the 10th. I pray that that's what happens. But I want you to think about, here was Mary... Here was her son Mark and other Christians gathered in this house under the cloak of night. Herod was all stirred up, had killed James, had put Peter in prison. There was a push against Christ and those who would follow Christ. And they were in this house while all the political and social turmoil and chaos swirled around them. They were praying to God and remaining faithful. I pray that's what you're doing. And I pray that God gives me the strength to do that, to be that person. John, or Mark, keep wanting to say John Mark. Mark had a following faith. But I want you to notice number two, though, that Mark also teaches me a great lesson because he had a faltering faith. You may scratch your head and say, wait a minute, uh, preacher, isn't that a negative word? It is. He had a faltering faith. So we go back to Acts chapter 12, and remember this young man, Mark, 
who was in the house, his mom's house praying, and some time apparently passed between verse 13 and verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul, uh, they left Jerusalem, and they took John Mark, they took Mark with them because of his faith, because of his willingness and his desire to be a part of the work. But now we need to go to Acts 15. And I hope you've got your Bibles open. In Acts 15, I want us to read verses 35 through 38. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others. Then after some days, verse 36, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Same fellow. But Paul insisted they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now let me stop right there. Mark was still there. Mark was still there. Now I don't know what happened in Pamphylia. I'm not exactly sure what transpired, and we never will, and that's okay, we don't have to. But at some point, according from Paul's perspective, at least Mark faltered. In fact, the contention was so sharp, verse 39, they parted from one another. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. I want you to think just for a moment. Here we learn that Mark had a faltering faith. He was faithful, he was serving, but he wasn't perfect. In fact, I take you back to Mark chapter 14, uh, where we mentioned just a few minutes ago that Jesus was in the garden. And I want you to look at verse 51 and 52. And then they forsook all. Remember Jesus said in verse 49, He was talking to Judas and those who came, I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but the Scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook Him and fled. When you're reading that, you might be thinking, wait a minute, you mean all of those soldiers ran away? No, it wasn't the soldiers who ran. It was the disciples who were behind Jesus, who were facing the soldiers with their torches and their swords, who were facing their uh, comrade become betrayer, Judas, They fled. Uh Uh-oh. Now look at verse 51. And most scholars, and I agree with them, believe this to be Mark. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown about his naked body, and the young young men laid hold of him. And he left the the linen cloth and fled from them naked. So in the midst, in the chaos, in the turmoil, as they were fleeing, uh, fleeing someone uh, got a hold of Mark, his clothing, his outer clothing, and he left the outer clothing in the hand of, of whomever grabbed him, and, and he fled and he ran away from Jesus. So what's the point? What's, what's the lesson to be learned? Is that Mark had a following faith, but Mark wasn't perfect. He had a faltering faith. On at least two occasions, his faith ran a little empty of what it needed to be. In the face of trials and temptation, Mark's faith faltered. You and I have a faltering faith many times in our lives. What does it take for me to fortify a faltering faith? When I like Mark, when I find myself in the need of going toward Jesus, but something has literally, or not literally, but spiritually gotten me by my Christian cloak, 
gotten me by my Christian armor. Maybe it's the armor that I'm wearing, I'm trying to wear, Ephesians 6. But Satan has put circumstances in my life that if I paid attention, I would feel his grip. And instead of holding fast, I run and leave that in his hand. When I have a faltering faith, what can I do? Well, I invite you to book to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Let's look at verses 30. Let's start with 36. Here the Hebrew writer is addressing children of God. So he would have been addressing Mark. Had Mark been reading, he's addressing me as I read it this morning. And he's addressing you if you'll read it with me. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And while we're in the book of Hebrews, I invite you over to chapter 12, verse 3. Remember verses 1 and 2, a very familiar text, I'm sure. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run with endurance the race set before us. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and uh, finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of God. But look at verse 3. We often read verses 1 and 2 without 3. I need to stop that practice, and I suggest so to you. Look at verse 3 because it goes with it. For, because, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Don't you understand that God, Christ, the Holy Spirit understood, Scripture understands that we will get discouraged. We will get dismayed in our souls. And we will be like John Mark. And our faith will falter uh, in a moment of weakness. And we'll want to run the wrong way. Or we'll fa fall short of the work that needs to be done. And others may feel they can't trust us anymore as Paul did Mark. Our faith's going to falter. How do we keep from doing that? Hebrews 10, we're not of those who draw back to petition, but, but we, we go forward. So the first thing I would suggest is that we have to recognize when we are falling back. When we are, are you aware of yourself spiritually? Do you pay enough attention to your own soul and your own faith that you would recognize when it's further, uh, when you've gone backward instead of forward? Do you think that's important? Do we consider Jesus who did not back down, who did not quit, who did not shun uh, the, what, he, what was truth in the face of difficulties. And if when we do consider him, does that cause us to be stronger? John Mark had a following faith. He also had a faltering faith, as we often do. What did Mark do in the face of his faltering faith? Well, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you this, number three. I learned from Mark, Mark's soul was restored to a full faith. How do you know that? Well, again, I take you back to Acts 15, verse 39. We won't read all of that, but uh, there, remember we read what happened. The contention was so great that Paul took Silas, but, but uh, what happened? Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Well, first of all, 
What led to Mark's soul being restored to a full faith? He'd faltered, hadn't he? He'd made a mistake, hadn't he? He'd disappointed, hadn't he? Yes, yes, and yes. What happened? Barnabas said, I won't quit. I won't give up. Now, let me stop right there. I am not suggesting for a moment that Paul did anything wrong or that Barnabas and Paul did anything wrong in their disagreement. According to Scripture, they didn't. That's a different lesson. Paul believed he needed to move forward without Mark. That was his decision. But Barnabas said, I'm the kind of person that I can't... I've got to go and get Mark. I have to use Mark. Now, was Mark fully ready to sell off to Cyprus to do the work? I won't speak where Scripture doesn't speak, but I have a sneaky suspicion that Mark wasn't at 100% when he sailed out of the dock, headed to Cyprus. But what did he have? He had a desire to do what was right. How do you know? Because he went. He had someone who cared about him enough to not quit on him. How do you know? Because Barnabas took him. And what resulted in that? When I read 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul is likely already in prison. And you know what he says? He says, only Luke is with me. Look at that passage, especially in the New King James. I had to stop and think, you know, I've never thought about that. He doesn't just say, bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. He does say that. Look what he says. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. Again, I will not speak where Scripture doesn't, but I think the inference is there personally that Mark was busy working himself. That Mark now, his faith was restored and he was now doing his own individual service. And Paul said, Barnabas, will you please go and get him? and bring him with you. Why? Because now he's useful to the ministry. Why? His faith is stronger than it was before. You see, Mark teaches me to have a following faith. And he teaches me that I will have a faltering faith because I am not perfect, but that my faith can be restored if I am willing. Well, how can my faltering faith... First of all, I'm not going to ask you, has your faith ever faltered? Because if you're breathing and looking into the uh, screen and watching me, it has. Not only has it, but it will. What do you do when your faith falters? What did Mark do? I suggest that Mark read the same scripture. He, uh, he served the same God. He followed the same Christ that you and I do. Therefore, he did the same thing God said that you and I must do. In Acts 8, in verse 22, what did uh, Peter tell Simon the sorcerer? He said, repent and ask God to forgive this thought of your heart. Ask that the thought of your heart may be forgiven. He said, pray that the thought of your heart may be forgiven you to read that scripture accurately. So you have to be willing to turn from that thought. Pray that that thought, is it wrong to think? No, sometimes we think wrong thoughts. And that becomes wrong. What do we do? We pray. We ask forgiveness. In Galatians 6 and verse 1, let me drop down to 1 John 1, 9 and then come back. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. That was true when Mark knew it, and it's true today for you and me. So if you are listening to this lesson today and you, like Mark, have a following faith that has faltered, 
please let your faith be restored to a full faith by asking God's forgiveness, by turning from that, by praying about that, allowing us to pray with you if you need us to. In Galatians 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a trespass, New King James, let those who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Considering your own selfless, you also be tempted. Have you, ever, have you ever wondered what would have happened to John Mark if Barnabas had not? Uh, let me stop right there. Uh, uh, um, let's see, Bo has, has come in sitting in the back. Hey, Bo. Uh, I may have heard this at Liberty. For some reason, I think that I did. Uh, but I remember hearing a preacher say, and it's stuck with me all these years, Sometimes I forget where I put my keys, but I remember this saying that Galatians 6.1 simply means if somebody falls out of the boat, if you're one of the ones blessed enough to still be in the boat, don't sit there and watch them drown. Throw them a rope. Reach over the side. Do what you have to do to get them back in the boat because they don't want to be lost. You don't want them to be lost. That's what Galatians 1 really means. What, had happened, what would have happened if Barnabas had just said, well, you know these young people, there goes another one. But he didn't. He said, Mark, go with me. Go with me. Let me show you some things. And Mark began to serve on his own. When I think about Mark... He had a growing faith, he, uh, growing and serving as a Christian. He had a following faith. He had a faltering faith. But he ended with a full faith, as far as we know. What kind of faith is yours? That's a simple question. Great uh, Bible character, Mark. We can learn so much, even though he's mentioned only five times. But I pray that we'll continue to be able to, cont uh, that we will continue this series of great lessons from great Bible characters and uh, next week, Lord willing, um, you'll have the opportunity. Guy Gardner is scheduled to speak, uh, and I won't tell you what his topic is because I don't have it in front of me and I can't remember. But then on the 10th, in person. So look forward to that. As we close this evening, will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so very much for allowing us to be your children. Thank you for allowing us the privilege of opening your Bible Thank you, Father, for men, disciples, Christians like Mark who grew, who served, who followed, who faltered, but restored through your grace to full faith. May we reach out when we fall, when we falter, so that we can be restored to the faith that pleases you. Father, may we always follow you. Thank you for all those who are listening and studying. In your son's name we pray. Amen.